0: The Center for Spiritual Renewal podcast and our series called Choral Spirituality. Choral Spirituality is the belief that all of us, each and every one of us, is a spiritual practitioner and contributes to the course of spirituality in our own unique ways. In Choral Spirituality, there are no experts or novices, except that we are all of us experts in our own way and novices in the spiritual journey. We sing together to make holy music. We want to spend time with people through this series to get a sense of how they participate in the spiritual choir and how they use their unique voice in God's choir, and doing so to help all of us get a sense of our own part in it. Today we are joined by a panel of contemplatives. Both Jean Fraser and Catherine Murray are part of the leadership team at St. Dunstan's. They have dedicated their lives to contemplative paths and practices that support their own lives, the congregants at St. Dunstan's, and many in the wider world. So, what does it mean to be a contemplative in the world? How can we be encouraged by both Jean and Catherine in this episode of Choral Spirituality? What can we learn from them? Maybe some spiritual practices, but also how to articulate for ourselves ourselves our own spiritual practices, to inspire us to get on our own voice, to sing along in the great spiritual choir. I am ecstatic about our conversation today. Its uh, contemplative uh, prayer and contemplative practices are um, both uh, very close to my heart And so with that, I welcome both Catherine and Jean to our podcast uh, for choral spirituality and our conversation today. And thank you both so much for saying yes, uh, for being involved. I guess where I'd like to start is um, in preparation for... I guess I'd say for our conversation today, I was drawn to my dear friend Susan McGaslin's uh, co-authored book, Super Abundantly Alive, Thomas Merton's Dance with the Feminine. So Susan tells us how Thomas Merton's wisdom and words in his book, Contemplation in Action, has served for a guide for her. And so I have found the same for myself. Uh, Merton, uh, Thomas Merton in the 1960s, uh, he's kind of wakes us all up to this notion that the contemplative life, contemplative prayer is interchangeable with action. Uh, that you cannot have one without the other. So it's with this I'm wondering Uh, if this call to contemplation with action or inaction is the same for you, uh, Catherine and Jean, perhaps uh, you could uh, begin the conversation by telling us something about where your story begins. What were the initial stirrings and or outward signs for becoming a contemplative? And one more thing to add to this stew of questions, I guess, Um, Are you a contemplative who lives a life in action? And so, with that, I wonder if I could turn to you, Gene, to, you know, start our conversation.
1: Well, just with respect to uh, when I first started feeling inspired to engage in in contemplative practice, uh, it started very, very young for me. I would say that I was spiritually inclined, even as a young child. And as soon as I started to read about meditation in my early teens, um, it became very clear to me that this was something that I had to do. I had to learn how to meditate and I had to pursue this path. So I first took um, lessons in transcendental meditation when when I was 16 years old. And um, I participated in transcendental meditation for a number of years before transitioning into uh, Buddhism. Um, and that's a long story, uh, and you know we can pursue that in, in further questions. But um, I remained deeply involved in uh, in Buddhism for a number of years. Um, I went through lay ordination, took vows. I was deeply involved in in Buddhism, fully committed. Um, and in deepening that practice, uh, I unexpectedly started to experience a deepening of intimacy with God and was drawn back into Christianity through that path. And so naturally the path back into Christianity was through the contemplative door. Um, and that's how I re-entered into christianity which i would say um satisfies the the private contemplative um urges that i have the the practices as well as fully expresses my very um active engagement in the world through uh, political activism Um, i i love the quote that you sent uh, earlier today uh, from thomas merton because i've been oriented like that uh, for many, many years. Um, My background professionally is that I'm a lawyer. I'm a trial lawyer, but I'm also a mediator. Um, And so I'm very much involved in the hurly-burly disputes of the world, uh, actively involved in dispute resolution. Um, And so my orientation is toward mediation. But also um, as a lawyer, I'm involved in uh, political activism and advocacy on behalf of people who are disadvantaged in life. Um, My research and writing has been uh, to advance the rights of people who have been diagnosed as having mental disorders, and I uh, represent them in hearings in court. Um, I'm involved in legislative change, test cases. Um, conference presentations, and what I have to say is that it's not as though I switch off the contemplative side of my brain when I'm doing that. Um, I strongly believe that to be involved in in activism with integrity, one must have a type of internal integrity. In other words, an, an open and awakened heart um, which is cultivated through contemplative practices. And it's not as though in a political activism, in legal activism, I go out into the world and fight those fights, and then I just come back to the well of contemplation to refresh myself. In fact, the political activa- activism is a contemplative practice in itself. In other words, um, when I'm engaged in the world, my practice, and it can be difficult, is to to keep an open heart at all times. Um, And this involves um, the same type of gesture that I have during contemplative prayer and other contemplative practices. In other words, letting go, surrendering and releasing myself to the presence of God. So I do that when I'm doing Centering Prayer twice a day, but I do that, um, when I'm out in the world, when I'm in court, when I'm in hearings, when I'm dealing with people, um, to, to check my reactivity uh, and to, to observe, you know, my ego engagements and contemporary, and, and so the, the practice in the world is to witness that and to return again, to surrender to the, the constant uh, presence and action of God. Within myself, and also always to recognize um, the Christ within others. So, contemplative practices um, awaken one to, and experientially awaken one to the presence of Christ within and all around, and in particular within others. So, you know, I, I do believe that treating others with integrity is to see the Christ within them. Contemplative a contemplative life enhances and deepens all of that. So they're two sides of the same coin. So that's my little preamble on, on my c- contemporary journey, uh, just in a nutshell.
0: Oh, Gene, what a preamble. I mean, oh, it's, uh, thank you for uh, speaking so eloquently and um, so beautifully. Um, I think this, um, the word... That really um, sort of leapt out at me was this um, word openness, and it's word uh, again. You refer to Thomas Merton, and I will again now too. He describes this as a, a really essential part of living this contemplative uh, life in action, and it's um, the way you've integrated your meditation and the arc that it's kind of you it's fought you followed in your life with that um, that's led to um, the integrity of the work you do as a mediator is uh, profoundly um, inspiring and I'm very moved by it so thank you so much for starting our conversation with such deeply relevant insights. Uh, So now I turn to Catherine and and, and I ask you, Catherine, if you could chime into this conversation with your thoughts.
2: Thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you, David, uh, both for the opportunity and invitation to be here. It's good to be here with you and with Jean. Yeah, so much of what Jean uh, named were themes that have been true in my own life. Prior to to my turning onto a contemplative path of being and living, I had had for several years a really strong desire to live as Jesus modeled. Um, And by that, I mean, specifically, he he spoke about living um, in such intimacy with God that he only did what he saw the Father doing, and he only said what he heard the Father saying. And and I love that prayer in John 17 for for oneness for all that we would all know that oneness and and so that really lit a flame in my heart um, and I would I was always praying that you know for years and 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 simultaneously becoming um, increasingly aware of intimacy with God and then um, so I'm, I'm journeying along and a friend, a, a spiritual teacher friend of mine said to me, um, you remind me of Julian of Norwich and I had never heard her before. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know anything about the Christian mystics. And so I, I started looking into Julian and who she was in her life and such a resonance um, because she talked so much about, about wanting <laughs> with God and the love of God. And uh, and that opened up a door for me into the Christian mystics. And so this was a lot of what was part of my formation on my spiritual journey into the contemplative path, and the other thing that spiritual teacher recommended to me was um, a book called "The Way of a Pilgrim," which is anonymous, written uh, a Russian piece of um, literature. Well, not literature, but a but a book written by a th- probably a a monk, I think, and but it's this person's spiritual journey of of learning how to come into their heart uh through the specifically the jesus prayer and after reading that book i i started to explore um contemplative prayer through the orthodox hesychastic prayer which is about coming into silence dropping down into your heart so that opened up a door for me another door and then that took me into a particular practice of centering prayer uh, which I've been doing for several years now and and what I love about that prayer practice is that um, it brings me it brings us into an awareness of our our, our union with God and our oneness with uh, one another and with creation and um, and as i as I continue journeying with that, um, you know that opened up a door for me into spiritual direction and other contemplative teachers. Um, Contemporary ones like Thomas Keating and Cynthia Bourgeau and Richard War, So, so these are a lot of the things that have been, um, I think, important and significant for me in on this contemplative path, um, being formed on this contemplative path. Um, and, and some of the things that I love about the contemplative path, in addition to Um, the intimacy with God that it opens up and nurtures um, the awareness of union um, is that it's, it's a path of transformation, you know, to practice centering prayer specifically is to, is to open yourself up to, to being transformed um, into, you know, we, we carry in us the image of God and it's about you know, f- more fully reflecting that image in our trans- journey of transformation. So I love that it offers that, um, nurtures that, encourages that. And I've the image that came to my mind when you're um, speaking about action and contemplation, Sarah, was I see them as hand in hand. It's like it's like they they hold hands and they journey together. And I, I think in my own life, I would say that that action flows out of that place uh, within me of oneness with God, right? It's like, where do I feel spirit led? Where do I feel drawn by God to express um, <clears throat> action in the world? And in my own life, um, that's taken different forms. Um, one example that came to my mind to share was um, I went on a uh, peacemaking delegation to Palestine with Christian peacemaker teams, and so had an opportunity to uh, work together with Israeli and Palestinian um, nonviolent uh, work. In peacemaking reconciliation between Palestinians and Israelis. And so, you know, that's an outflow of that relationship with God and was also something that um, sustained me and helped me through that time. Um, One of the things I've learned through the contemplative journey is is how to surrender and trust God in a deeper way. And I think when you witness great suffering and, and great injustice, um, it has helped me to be able to um, trust in the greater mystery of how God is at work in the world.
0: Oh, again, thank you, Catherine. Um, I am really moved by the image of uh, the hand-in-hand, how um, contemplation and action are holding hands, I think you said. Uh, that's a beautiful image, because I think even as humans, as we hold hands together, there's a, there's a warmth, there's a love, there's um, a sensation of trust and um, belonging and being together. So I love your image. And uh, that you think and are moved by images is 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 probably part of your contemplative practice. I'm imagining as well, but you talked and spoke uh, quite a lot about this idea of oneness. And um, uh, Julian of Norwich, what a wonderful experience that your friend had. Uh, said to you, actually, you remind me of this extraordinary um, ancient of days mystic. Wow. Okay. So isn't that an invitation for one's life? I suppose to um, move into that. And you said it resonated. So that, you know, that's really, uh, that's really been, um, it's a lovely thought and image for me. Now I'm just thinking about this—the uh, practice, uh, the practice of centering prayer. You, you both mentioned it, and it's, again, in this series of podcasts, it's been uh, mentioned several times by people who either practice centering prayer or know a little bit about it. But what I, I want to invite you both to do now is maybe just. Um, you know, popcorn sort of style, just talk to talk to us about your experience of centering prayer. Uh, I know you both lead retreats and workshops in centering prayer, but and you uh, I wonder if I could just ask you both to, um, you know, expand on your experience of centering prayer. What would our audience What would be helpful for them to know if somebody new is coming to this um, completely afresh? What would really, you know, make this sting for them as a practice they would want to become
1: involved with? Well, I can start with a few comments. Um, I think that I would like to talk about Centering Prayer in the context of the spectrum of meditative practices. Um, because in my, my experience in meditating for more than 30 years and doing centering prayer for more than 30 years, there are subtle differences and subtle commonalities. And I think that people in our society today have been exposed to the notion of mindfulness, the benefits of mindfulness, um, and the advisability of having a daily practice of meditation and mindfulness. Um, and all of those are, are highly beneficial. The, the common thread through all these meditation practices is that they retrain one's attention. And I'll speak to Centrum Prayer and how it adds something to that momentarily, but what they all do is that they break uh, a compulsive cycle of ego attachment, um, to the objects of our attention, um, objects that satisfy certain desires that the ego feels that it needs, and we do this compulsively um, all our lives, billion, you know, millions of times, billions of times, probably throughout our, our life, and therefore it becomes habitually ingrained in the way that we deal with the world. Egotistically, this is a tremendous obstacle to feeling any sort of deeper spiritual connection. Uh, to the world and also the primary obstacle to experiencing intimacy with God, um, who is always immediately present to us. And, you know, the sad thing is that God is immediately present to us, but we're constantly distracted by the objects of our attention, uh, habitual, compulsive objects of our attention. So what meditative practices do is they break that that cycle by retraining attention, letting go of the compulsive desire of the ego to fixate on whatever is in the immediate field of its attention or will immediately satisfy its needs. And by retraining attention, we can let go of that compulsive habit of, of our minds and spontaneously experience deeper peace, Uh, happiness, joy that is always there, available because of intimacy with the divine, which is immediately present to us. And you will find the same teaching within Transcendental Meditation, within uh, Zen Buddhism, within Tibetan Buddhism, within um, Advaita Hindu uh, meditation practices. This is a common thread. And there's some different languages, language that's used, terminology such as cosmic consciousness, or Brahma, the ground of being, um, or Buddha mind, or God. Um, But it's remarkable how, if you go deep enough into contemporary practices, you'll find this common source of wisdom, and also, remarkably, common practices um, of uh, meditation. Uh, and retraining of attention through various means, and we can talk about that later if you wish. What Centering Prayer adds to this is um, the intention, the focus is on the intention to consent to the presence and action of God within. And therefore, um, it it, it meshes beautifully with the devotional practice of Christianity because is not only retraining attention, but it's a devotional practice to consent to the presence of, of God. So what we're doing is we're not only retraining our attention, we're retraining our intention as well. Um, and if you read, you know, for example, The Cloud of knowing, it's all about our, in- our, our bare intention directed toward God, right? And this can only be done through practices that purify our intention, right? This is this is the core meaning of blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is the purification of the intention. So for those um, who are wondering what Centering Prayer is all about and how does it differ from other forms of meditation, this is what it does. So it retrains attention. It also purifies our intention Um, to experience the presence and action of God immediately within, bringing deeper joy to our lives, deeper connection to other people as well, because our neurotic, egotistic agendas get in the way of intimacy with other people and and also intimacy with the natural world. Um, (laughs) uh, So... I have an interesting little story, if you have a, a moment. Um, I, I just came back from a in central prayer intensive in Colorado. Uh, and this was 10 days of centrum prayer, completely silent, no talking, no eye contact, four and a half hours of centering prayer every day. So a real deep dive. And I do this every year, I've done it every year for a number of years. Um, And of course, during COVID, uh, you know, I I couldn't go. But this was, you know, the first time I. This was a deeper sort of practice. And the monastery is in the mountains of Colorado, um, and it's in a wilderness of Colorado. So there's no there's there's no sound of traffic, uh, no um, sound or view of the busyness of the world, and it's beautifully silent and rich, rich in wildlife. The natural world is remarkably beautiful. And this is a little bit of a tangent, but uh, in previous years, um, I had been observing the birds um, around the monastery and feeling a sort of a connection with them. And there these remarkable birds, uh, they're, they're magpies, They're beautiful birds, and they're intelligent, like ravens and crows. They're among the most intelligent birds in the world. In in previous years, I could never get close enough to even take care of these magpies because they're so cagey and cautious. Um, And this year, when I was at the retreat, I was feeling the deepest sense of peace I've ever experienced um, in my life, probably, and at this retreat. And I was just walking in the mountains, um, and I look down, and there's a magpie walking right next to me. And, I mean, it's kind of funny because I think that in the past, you know, I might have sent off sort of a vibrational field of anxiousness or a grasping, right? I wanted to take a picture. They were running away, could never get close to these magpies. Nobody can, right, because they're very intelligent and cautious birds. But I think that there was something about maybe – You know the um egotistic agenda had been so much released in me and i was feeling such a deep sense of peace that that energy around me had been dissipated and a a bird that's normally extremely cautious was taking a meditative walk with me in, in the mountains no fear it was it was really quite remarkable and So we walked for some period of time, and then I turned around, and we looked at each other, and there was a remarkable connection. We're just simply looking at each other, and then it took a few hops and then flew away. I just wanted to give an illustration of how these practices um, not only deepen our experience of God within, but also divinity within the world that's all around us. And not only in other people, but in the natural world. So I think that these practices um, will will facilitate world peace. I truly, truly believe that. And I think that, as, as Catherine said, these practices are transformational. They are truly transformational. And there's an expression that, you know, what you don't transform, you transmit. And if you're not transforming yourself, you're going to be transmitting. So, so again, for those uh, drawn to to centering prayer, and I'm going on for a long time here, um, it's not only transformational internally, it's transformational socially as well. What it does, it's a meditative practice that beautifully harmonizes with the devotional uh, practices within Christianity, which is why I love centering prayer. And and for me, what it's done is it's... um, awakened me to the beauty of of Christianity as well. Returning to Christianity, I I never saw. I was was just awestruck with the beauty of Christianity. And so the liturgy at church now has such a deeper meaning for me. The Eucharist has such a deeper meaning for me. Um, And it's all because of contemplative practices. So so, um, that's my endorsement of centering prayer.
0: Oh, Jean, what an endorsement! I'm um, moved in so many ways, um, and I think your explanation of, or or your describing of your moment uh, with the uh, magpie uh, was astounding, and it actually reminded me again. I'll refer to Merton. Thomas Merton, uh, he speaks about a quality, and he refers to it as dearness, um, as in the dear, D-E-E-R. But um, it's this quality in nature that when we connect, well, everything's interconnected, um, there's a deep resonance. There's a connection uh, that uh, my own experience of the deer here on the property where I live, It's uh, I, I find it hard to put words to that connection. It's so profoundly uh, intimate, and mm-hmm. so thank you for sharing that experience. It's I have a real uh, uh, a spiritual practice for me, in, and a contemplative spiritual practice is uh, in nature connecting. Uh-huh. So it's it's something uh-huh. I I have an understanding and a a real desire to share with others. So thank you. The other thing I'd like to say is just how you describe centering prayer. When I was introduced to centering prayer, it was this um, idea of consenting to, it was actually the word consent. It kind of Blew me up. I don't know really how else to describe it. It was an aha moment. Consent? Ah, okay. It really um, drew me into this pa- practice that ah, I could accept or I could ex- consent to this invitation. And um, it was really quite a profound experience for me. So it, it is a devotional practice, as you say, to consent. To the presence of God within us, and I, I, um, I'm grateful for everything you've said. I'm sure our listeners will be really um, informed, influenced by everything you've said. I wonder now, Catherine, can you add to the? Can you add something to the conversation? Maybe even just a little bit about how perhaps centering prayer. Um, you know, kind of works as a practice to move us through the process just ever so slightly? Um, How do we engage beyond um, consent?
2: Thank you, Sarah. And and so grateful for all that Jean shared. That was such a rich offering around the experience of Centering Prayer. And um, yeah, I I can start the talking about uh, that movement into the practice and and certainly would want to invite Jean to build on that. Um, I think a couple of things that I'd want <clears throat> to share around just awareness of the practice uh, for for anyone who's curious or interested or maybe already already practicing. Um, it's such a wonderful way um, into that awareness of, of our union with God, oneness with with God and one another and and creation, and that's some of the beauty of the practice, as as well as the opportunity for transformation, if if we allow. And as Jean shared, it, that this that happens through consent, that happens through our yes to God. Um, I I think I'd want people to know that. Um, I love centering prayer, and I've been practicing it for years. Um. I, I, I don't think I could live without it now. Um, and yet, there is this curious resistance within me to it. So that I have to be intentional to keep saying yes, to keep consenting. And as Jean mentioned, you know, our, our ego is, in, is involved here. And when we are consenting, we're letting go of that egoic self and to come into our truest self with God. And yet my ego just continues sometimes to fight and resist. And so I, I, would, want, I would want people to understand that, uh, to not be surprised when resistance comes. Um, it can seem really hard at times, this practice. Uh, but that's part of that transformative work, that healing that's happening within us. And I, I think I would want people to know about um, That in that transformation experience, things are going to come up that will need care and attention. And so uh, um, it really helps to know that some things that have been in our unconscious that we haven't been aware of or thinking about maybe in a long time suddenly come into awareness. And it's an invitation, an opportunity for healing, for surrender, for yeah, for that, for that transformation. Um, And I I would want people to know that the fruit of the practice is not usually experienced in when you're doing your centering prayer practice, which is usually 20 or 30 minutes in length. Um, Sometimes it can seem like nothing's happening. And yet uh, so much is happening. Oftentimes the fruit shows up in our daily lives as we go about our day. Um, Increased awareness. um, Wisdom comes discernment is clearer things it starts to flow in our lives and the fruit of the spirit start to emerge you know kindness gentleness etc i think in terms of the actual uh, specific um prayer practice and this is again i would certainly invite Jean to build on this there's there's four movements involved and and it begins with um it's, it's a prayer of silence and, and that's important for anybody who doesn't maybe have a clue about centering prayer. It's a prayer. It's a, it's a prayer of silence where we let go of our, our thoughts, things that we're feeling um, those attachments to drop down into our hearts, to drop down into that place of, of union. And we do that through silence. And there's um there's a, a, a you choose a sacred word, and and the word is a symbol for our consent that 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 we're consenting to the presence and action of God within, and so that we you, internally you, you would you would say that word as your intention, and then drop down into that awareness, um, and so that when you find yourself moving back into your thoughts or moving back into emotions or feelings or moving back into your body, then you can say, say that sacred word to again, return um, to the presence and action of God within you. Um, It's your letting go, right? You're letting go. And uh, I think I mentioned that usually the centering prayer practice is, is 20 to 30 minutes um, in silence. Yeah. And I think I think maybe Jean do you want to jump in and, and maybe add to some of how we how we do our actual centering prayer practice
1: well I, yeah just a few comments it, it is a a, um, a silent prayer it, it's described by Jesus as you know when you want to pray you you go to your inner room and close the, the door and, and pray to your father in secret and your father who sees In secret will reward you so um unlike other forms of prayer that are active um and uh, what we call cataphatic or they're they have um specific content such as intercessory prayer or other forms of prayer this as uh catherine said is a prayer uh, that's done in silence um so you you close um, the door, so to speak, uh, in your room. And uh, you spend time entering into that silence that is within you um, and that can be cultivated through this practice. Um, You close your eyes. So some forms of meditation are done with eyes open. Centering prayer is done with eyes closed. And um, the sacred word that's used is is, is usually a one-syllable word. Um, it's similar to a mantra, but it's not used in the same way as a mantra. So you, one chooses uh, a word that is meaningful to oneself, such as love or peace or God. Uh, and then during the, the course of the Centering Prayer, as you notice thoughts arising, you simply let them go. And letting go You're not observing them. You're not responding to them. You're not retaining them. You simply let them go and return gently to the sacred word without thinking about the meaning of the sacred word. It's merely a a bare symbol of your intention to consent to the presence and action of of God within. Um, Now, a few things that we could say a lot about You know, how to do Centering Prayer and and deepen that practice, cultivate that practice. The other part of it is the regularity of the practice. Um, This is not something that you do like once a month um, on a Sunday. This is, uh, it it ought to be, to to realize the full benefits of Centering Prayer, done twice a day uh, for 20 minutes at a time. And it's interesting that in other meditation traditions, um, it's the same prescription, like 20 minutes twice a day. So there's, there is a, a wisdom that has emerged as to the benefits of the regularity of practice. And although I encourage people to start with a shorter period of time because it's, it, it, there are some obstacles to, to doing it and cultivating a regular practice. So you know, start with five minutes and then work up to 20 minutes really you'll start to to experience the benefits of Centering Prayer if you do it at least 20 minutes at a time, Uh, and if you can, twice a day. I do Centering Prayer um, for 20 minutes at 7.30 in the morning, 30 minutes at 10 o'clock at night. And um, it is so much a part of my life that if I miss Centering Prayer, it feels like something's off for my day. There are times when I yearn for centering prayer. I yearn to get into my meditation, to get into my meditation and, and sit down on that cushion, and because it's so, it's it, it can be so peaceful um, and it's so beneficial. And also, it's it's a practice. It, it is again, it's a devotional practice. So it's a time for deepening one's sense of intimacy with God. Um, one thing I would say as well is that it. it Deepens other spiritual practices, so for me, it deepens the other prayer that I do. So it's not as though I've abandoned other forms of prayer. Um, I always do uh, intercessory prayer, petitionary prayer, or sp- simply prayer speaking to God and to Jesus after centering prayer in the evening, and that's when I'm kind of prepared to to, to speak in what I feel is an authentic way um, after centric prayer. So it deepens all the rest of our prayer life and our spiritual practices. Um, one thing I, I'm beginning to encourage, uh, and I, I do want to support this at St. Dunstan's, is is days and afternoons and we can do more centric prayer, multiple sits of centric prayer, because again, and, all other contemplative traditions they have that as well so there's a wisdom that has emerged that that deeper dives into into meditation centering prayer are very very beneficial so so i'd encourage people to to avail themselves of of what's out there um, for that those deeper practices Um, so that's there's there's much more that could be said
3: I would be very curious to hear your um, your kind of pastoral response to people who who um, I, I used to be one of them. Hearing about centering prayer, experiencing the centering prayer circle and the silence, um, one of my friends described it as, and I really felt it too, was that centering prayer, contemplative prayer, meditation, all of these beautiful forms of prayer could be described as outwardly silent and inwardly screaming Um, particularly for us who are new to the program or new to the practice i wonder if you could say any words of encouragement for those who are doing their best at the very beginning um and are are still in that space where the intentions or, or the mind is is just driving us crazy in, in the moment. Uh, we, I know there's light at the end of the tunnel, and I know there's no, you know, end. There's just a constant practice. But for those who are considering Centering Prayer um, and, and yet experience that learning cor- curve, that steep learning curve, particularly as we begin to uh, discipline and train our mind, are there any words of encouragement that you can offer um, our, us beginners? Uh, well, uh, a few words of encouragement.
1: The first is that almost everybody experiences that in the beginning. And again, I just returned to what I was saying earlier. Our habitual response is to grasp onto whatever is in the field of our attention. Right. And and we've done that all our lives. And therefore, that habit has been strongly reinforced. Um, and so uh, I can say for myself, You know, when I first started meditating, and and still sometimes even now, depending on what's going on in my life, there will be a lot of intrusive thoughts, right? But uh, there are two things. The first is that with practice, uh, there will be fewer thoughts, and they will slow down. It it just comes with practice. I think I sometimes describe, um, I use the analogy of learning a musical instrument. Um, if a person were to say, you know, I want to play the violin, I picked up a few times, all I made was noise, just, uh, and how useless is that? Um, you know, what a useless instrument that is. I would say, well, no, what you have to do, uh, as with anything, is is practice, and it will come. Uh, the, the encouragement is... Um, uh, th- I mean, through empirical evidence, scientific evidence, but also just anecdotally, speak to people who have done meditation, and they will invariably say if they've committed to it that um, the intrusiveness of the thoughts will diminish in time. That's the f- that's the first thing, uh, and that you that generally you will begin to feel more peace and more centeredness and rest in the center of the But you have to commit to to doing it for some time. Um, the second thing, as as Catherine was saying, is that uh, the fruits of centering prayer are not necessary not necessarily experienced during the period of centering prayer. So, as long as you're um, constantly, it's a constant intention, constantly intending to let go. That let go letting go gesture will be patterned into your being. It will become a habit. And then in your daily life, you're less reactive uh, to what's going on, um, and and you will people will may observe that before you do. They'll say, "Well, you just seem to be less irritable, a little calmer." There's just something changed in you, right? And I think the magpie was probably picking that up yeah. in my life, right? Um, that's. You know, there was just a different energy around me at that that time. So those are two things I would say about center prayer. The other thing is, um, one thing I do want to to teach is walking meditation, and walking meditation is always used in conjunction with um, sitting meditation practices, such as and prayer. And what it, walking meditation done mindfully is what is a wonderful way to to discharge that energy, right? So it's a wonderful supplement to the sitting practice. Um, and so this is one thing I want to guide people through is, is showing how conjoining mindful uh, walking with sitting meditation will actually assist you in dealing with that barrage, that screaming barrage of thoughts that, that can arise. You become more and more settled. There's a lot more that can be said about this. We could talk for a long time. We could do a day about intrusive thoughts and emotions and other practices that can assist in that and how to deal with them. But just generally speaking, um, you know, Thomas Merton's advice, and this is the advice of every meditation master, every spiritual master, is just stick with it, rain or shine. Stick with it. You'll get through it, and you will. I guarantee you, you stick with it. It's a money-back guarantee. You will start to experience the transformation. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, the there are times when, you know, it, the effects are seen outside of your meditation practice, um, but also there are times when you will experience remarkable peace arising from this as well. So I don't just want to... Um, emphasized kind of the the unpleasant sides of centering prayer, it can be wonderfully, wonderfully joyful and peaceful and restful as well. And that has been, I would say, my experience far more than the tumultuous uh, storm that can sometimes rise or the busyness, the buzzing bees of your, your thoughts. In time, you will experience that, that deep, deep sense of peace. I guarantee it.
0: Catherine, would you like to add? Thank you, yeah. Jean. It was remarkable. Yeah, very rich. Thank very you. rich. And Thank you so much. I
2: think what I would want to encourage uh, listeners with is, as Jean said, it's it's normal to have that experience of bombarding thoughts and feeling like it's endless. But I think that that's an important awareness to be helps us become aware of just how attached we are to so much thinking um, and so much external stimulation. And and that's actually part of the the journey with Centering Prayer is that movement from ordinary awareness into spiritual awareness. So it's, it's perfectly normal. And as Jean said, it's, it's the key is about sticking with it and and allowing fruit is not um, fruit takes time to emerge. Um, And I I, I think I would want to encourage listeners with it's about your intention. You know, it's about, you've set an intention in this prayer practice to consent uh, to the presence of God within uh, the action of God within. And, and that's the key. The key is the consent and the intention um, that will bear fruit. That will bring uh, the desired uh, peace and transformation for sure. Yeah, it's going to be okay.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, thank you. I, I agree, and I'm very excited about it. I remember I was at seminary at a time when the seminary was going through a lot of um, construction so they're tearing down buildings and building buildings and it was a very noisy time to be at school particularly theological school where one is encouraged to enter into deep um, reflection and I remember one particularly loud day at the beginning of the class there was a lot of construction noise coming through the window and someone put their hand up and said can we close the window uh, it's too noisy I can't pray and I thought that was an interesting comment an interesting reflection because in my mind I would hope that I would learn how to pray no matter what noise is around me um, another story that kind of plays with that at st. Dunstan's as you know we have this beautiful labyrinth and there were two places where we could place this labyrinth on the back part of the lot kind of more secluded or in the front of the lot right next to highway 13 we place it next to highway 13 and of course there, there are some concerns it's a bit noisy as we walk it it's harder to pray, nevertheless, what a practice to learn how to pray in a noisy world because we can't control the noise of the world, but we might be able to have a say in how we um, present ourselves and what we, what we grow into in, in a noisy world. So I just think that this practice of centering prayer is so key and all contemplative prayer is so key to this. Yes, Jean.
1: Yes, uh, how we present and how we react or not or don't react to the world. Um, there's, there was a famous um, Tibetan Buddhist meditation teacher, Trung-Yang Trungpa, who said that uh, with meditation practice in time, you'll be able to you would be able to sit in the middle of Times Square um, during the busiest time of day and in the midst of all that chaos and noise and traffic, enter into deep meditation. Um, it's how we respond. And and it's not so much where we are, it's where we come from, right? And um, I love that it, it was a remarkable choice to put the, the labyrinth right? Um, right in the front, I love that.
0: Yeah, what comes to mind, interestingly enough, uh David, with your story, is I was introduced to, to the book Silence by Thich Khan Hanh uh, a year or two ago when the urban city I was living in was so full of construction and thundering trucks, I didn't know how I was going to cope. My body was responding and it was having such a, an impact on me. And everything he says chimes with what both you and Jean have just said now. And it, it, I found it um, something I needed to aspire to, but it was helpful at the time. I guess now though, I mean, I can see that the flow of our conversation is very much um, revolved around um, centering prayer. So we had no idea where the conversation would lead today, how many different different practices. But just, I noticed that, Catherine, you said you couldn't live without it. It's become so much part of your life. And Gene said something to the effect that he now just has a daily yearning for this practice that's made such an impact on his life. And I, you know, I think the two of you today, your conversation, everything you shared with us um, is really going to impact listeners, our audience's lives so much. Rich information here. And um, it feels as if it's been a sacred conversation today, really very beautiful. So I want to thank you both for that. There, I know there are other um, spiritual practices. Um, Catherine, you're very much involved with listening prayer. There are probably other practices. Um, maybe we could devote a whole other podcast to that, um, because I've experienced listening prayer with Catherine, and I can say that it is a a most stunning uh, practice moving me towards transformation in my spiritual life and faith I couldn't have envisioned. Yeah, thanks, Sarah, for
2: highlighting listening prayer. As um, That's been a very important, central prayer practice in my life that invites us to come into, um, to drop down into our hearts again and engage in being open to hearing the voice of God within, um, which has been an important part of my contemplative journey, is that awareness of what is God um, what does God want to say to me? Where am I being invited? And I, and I go back to something I said at the beginning about my deep desire that drew me onto the contemplative path was Jesus' own life of I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. And so listening prayer, centering prayer, the contemplative path has been the way that that's, my, that's been the way for me to, um, to come into a deeper awareness of that. Um, a, very, a very formative prayer practice for me. Yeah, so thanks for, for touching on that, Sarah.
0: No, thank you. I, I, I actually could hear in your voice how you were moved by expressing that to us. And uh, I, I, it, it's just a testament to the power and the um, grace in uh, listening prayer. So thank you, Catherine. And Jean. would you like to to add something as we are drawing to a close? Uh,
1: Yes, you were were referring to the joy um, that this brings to our lives. And I think there, there are two ways that I would approach. The first is that, there's a type of quiet joy that I feel. It's a type of peaceful sort of joy, um, and I can I can see how that's so much related to my centering prayer practice. I'm much more inclined to feel that um, from my daily practice and from the retreats that I do. Um, that uh, that quiet, peaceful joy, but also. There are times when I do experience intense joy as well I think I'm more inclined to experience intense moments of joy um, with other people uh, with the love that I share with those around me and also in nature I find as well there's just something about being in nature that uh, inspires joy that sparks joy as as I would say in in me so um, sometimes we, I mean, we, we talk about centering prayer as a purgative sort of practice, and it is. Uh, and because it's purgative, there are times when things that are unpleasant will come up in us. Um, but I've always found that there's a sense of being s- supported by God when that does happen. So even, even when there's that sense of purging, there's a sense of comfort in it as well. Um, So um, I wouldn't, I I, I hope that people aren't deterred from doing central prayer because they're afraid that, you know, they're opening the Pandora's box to their unconscious and and, um, that all hell will break loose. It's not like that. It is not like that at all. Um, But also I would, I would say that more often, much, much more often, The experiences of Centering Prayer and what arises from Centering Prayer is peace and joy and and pure happiness.
0: Well, that's every reason to want to participate and be drawn into this practice um, of Centering Prayer. And I feel all the more richer for having had our conversation today. I'm 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 so very thankful, and I'm just going to return to something as I move into closing today. Uh, Jean, you have just said that you believe that being in nature, you know, sparks a joy, and I have had this experience myself. And I in in and with a posture of prayer, I would like to invite our audience, perhaps uh, the panel here even, to connect with nature in a contemplative way, to perhaps go outside or simply just look out the window from where you are sitting now and choose a tree, a branch, or even a dandelion to focus your attention on. Maybe there'll be a magpie, We don't know, but there could be a robin or even a hummingbird because British Columbia is rich with hummingbirds. And I invite you to look to be with the tree, the bird, uh, long enough and to stay connected to it, as Jean described earlier. As you experience this, you perhaps will be moved to to a deeper stillness within and stay tuned to that stay tuned to that what rises up for you in that stillness and so i encourage you today to discover this contemplative form of prayer in this in a natural setting and to just be with the moment allowing all else to fall away and so with that, I send love and blessings and an enormous thank you to Catherine and Jean and David. Thank you and loving blessings as you go. It is our intention to bring a holy sensitivity to these conversations so that they might arrive with a sense of the sacred If the conversation today has awakened your curiosity, and you would like to know more about listening prayer, spiritual direction, and centering prayer, please reach out and connect with the parish through their email or phone, details of which can be found on the St. Dunstan's website or as part of the show notes that follow this podcast. We welcome personal reviews and comments that both affirm and let us know where we could do better. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to tell your friends and family and, of course, those who you share the pews with in your home congregation. Check in with the show notes that follow the podcast and that reference resources mentioned as part of the conversation today. I would also like to take this opportunity to highlight St. Dunstan's Awaken Love, a retreat-styled conference to make your heart sing if you are going through a transformation in your faith journey or looking for new ways to connect to God, this retreat-style conference is for you. Please go to St. Dunstan's website to find out more and to register for this retreat-style conference taking place March 3rd to 5th of this year. Thank you so much!